The way that I actually found myself falling into content was one of my very first clients um, reached out to me on Twitter after seeing me mention them in a blog post. And they asked if I would be interested in helping them create content for their website. And that client turned out to be Muckrack, which is now my longest standing client. I worked with them for nearly a decade now. And when they reached out, I was kind of like, oh, like I'm a PR professional. I don't, but I guess I do content. I, I write a blog. I do this. I do that. And from there, I kind of just figured it out along the way. And so that's kind of how I got started. Welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. In this episode, I am talking to Jessica Lalor, and she is everything content. And it's very fitting that we actually connected first on Twitter where she shares a lot about content and a lot about what she's doing. So in this episode, she's going to break down what content management is as well as how every business can benefit from hiring somebody to manage their content, because there is a whole lot under the content umbrella. She's also going to talk about how you can use content to gain credibility and get clients. This is a biggie, people. You know, this is what I'm always talking about. This is how you can put yourself out there without spending any money and bring people into your orbit. So Get ready to take some notes because Jessica is sharing some fire today, like super amazing details on what you can do with your own content that you're putting out there to actually make some money. And while we're talking about content, make sure to check out my content. You can go to 16places.com to find out where to pitch to be a contributor online. And then don't forget pitchpublicityprofit.com. That is where you can get on the waiting list for my next live three-day bootcamp. I'm excited to see you there, and I will put those details in the show notes. But now, let's hear from Jessica. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Jessica, welcome to Become a Media Maven. Christina, thanks so much for having me. So after being Twitter friends for the longest, I have you here on my podcast, and I love what you do because I think creating content is the most fun ever. Creating content is amazing. And I'm so glad that I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I started in PR, which I know you're super passionate about and kind of transitioned my way and found myself in the content world. There's so much overlap. So it makes sense. Like I feel like PR, it used to be like getting in magazines and on TV and online, which it still is, but with social media and with blogs and everything, like you also have to create your own content because like, if you pitch me to be on my podcast, for example, I'm going to look you up and I'm going to see the content you're creating. So there's so much overlap, but there's like so much under the content umbrella. I can't even imagine like what a typical day is for you. Well, I'd love to share a little bit more. <laughs> Tell me all the things. <laughs> okay. So I run a business um, where what I do is content management. So to me, content management is really anything content related, starting from helping a client develop their content strategy, working with their editorial calendar, helping them find awesome writers to create the content if they're not the ones who want to do the writing themselves, 
all the way to figuring out a distribution strategy for that content. So once a piece goes live, what is, what is the piece? Is it a piece of video? Is it a blog post? Is it a white paper? And then once it goes live, where are you sharing it? Are you putting it out to your email list? Are you sharing it on social? Are there other ways you can repurpose it? Can you turn it into something else and kind of keep the life of that content going? So these are all things that I think about um, when I say content management. A lot of people listening, they're like, oh, well, I post on social, I write a blog post, but they don't really have a content strategy. Right. So go back to the whole who needs a strategy and why, because there's a lot to it for sure, as you were just alluding to. But I feel like people are like, oh, when I get a chance, I'll post here. And I, I mean, I am guilty of this too. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I want to post a TikTok every day but I get busy doing other things. That's probably not a good strategy on my end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, TikTok is great and experimentation is good. So, I mean, if you're open to trying new things, that's definitely good to kind of jump in and see what might work for you. But really when you think about content strategy, it goes back to your audience. So who are you trying to reach and what do you want them to do with the information that you're sharing? So I like to start with that when I, and that's kind of the tenet of a good PR plan too, right? We have to think about it the same way. You think about who are your audiences and what is the message that you're trying to share with them? So that's kind of the first question that I go over with uh, my clients. But a lot of times people are, kind of hesitant to create content. It sounds like a lot of work. And like you said, sometimes it can be a little bit of almost an afterthought. And so that's why I like to kind of step in as that external team member for a lot of my clients to help them hone in on that strategy and then figure out how to get their message out um, in a way that's a little bit different than just media relations. So when you are a content manager, Mm -hmm. Are you actually executing some of this content or are you kind of managing everybody who does it? So it really depends. A little bit of both. I mean, when I started, I kind of stumbled onto content management um, several years ago. So I have always loved writing. I had a personal blog and I've always been active on Twitter. I think you and I even probably met on Twitter. Um, and the way that I actually fell, found myself falling into content was one of my very first clients um, reached out to me on Twitter after seeing me mention them in a blog post. And they asked if I would be interested in helping them create content for their website. And that client turned out to be Muckrack, which is now my longest standing client. I worked with them for nearly a decade now. And when they reached out, I was kind of like, oh, like I'm a PR professional. I don't but I guess I do content. I, I write a blog. I do this. I do that. And from there, I kind of just figured it out along the way. And so that's kind of how I got started. Now I have a little bit of a, I have a small team. I work with a lot of contractors. And so depending on the client and their needs, I can help them find a writer who's kind of more of an expert in the field that they're working in. I guess with Muckrack, um, I have the benefit of working in PR myself and having that background. So it's a little bit easier for me to do so. But when I'm working in a niche that I'm not as familiar with, um, one of the perks of working with a managing editor like myself and my team is having a great network of writers who can, who can take on those assignments and, and being able to help connect the client with those writers. Yes. I know Muckrack's been a long, I use Muckrack. I know they've been a longstanding client of yours. Um, I think I've written like a blog post or two for them you, before. You definitely have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So who, who hires a content manager? Like what are your, I feel like maybe 
Are you in six figures? Like how much is this going to cost somebody? Because I feel like we all want to create content. We want to post our blogs and be on social and amplify it after we post it and YouTube and all of the things. But what are we going to be investing both in the form of time and money? And I'm sure there's a couple of different ways to do this. Yeah, definitely. I actually recently just revamped my website and I kind of published my, not all of my prices, but I, I say what my packages start at and my content packages start at $2,000 a month um, for kind of like a basic package. And then obviously as most solopreneurs um, kind of work, you know, you can add on things or, or take things away. Um, but yeah, I would say to, to really do it right. Um, a monthly engagement is usually the best way to go about it. A retainer basis, you know, per se. So the reason for that is really that content isn't just like a one-time thing. Of course, yes, you can create a blog post, you can put it live and see what happens, but a strong content strategy usually, um, takes some time to develop. It takes, um, time to execute on. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions about content is that it can be done quickly. And I always like to tell clients, like, we need to slow down. We start from the beginning, we take it step by step, and it does take a little bit longer. But I would say really, any business can benefit from content. Um, but the clients that I tend to work with are, um, as I mentioned, Muckrack. So they are, you know, a software company. Um, I also work with Solo PR Pro. They're an association for solo PR professionals. Um, I previously worked with a website called The Right Life. Um, which was a blog um, that was dedicated for all kinds of writing, freelance writing, creative writing. Um, and so those are just kind of some of the examples of, of websites and businesses that could benefit from content. Yeah. I'm seeing a theme here with your clients. I love that. You're so niched. Um, for people who want to create a content strategy, give us some tips. Like where do they begin and what do they do? Like step-by-step Today they decided, okay, none of this, like posting here and there, I want a strategy. What do I do? Sure. So one of my favorite things to do right up front and to suggest to clients is to just open up a blank document and do a content brain dump. Just any idea you've ever had, any question you've ever gotten asked from a client or a customer, um, just anything that you think people would want to know about your industry. No ideas too big or too small, just dump it all down onto a blank document. Um, and then you kind of from there, I find that people are always really excited because they say, oh, we actually have like quite a lot that we can talk about. And then they see the possibilities for how some of those ideas might come together. So then you can kind of take a look at that list. Um, where do some ideas, where can they group? Could you create a series out of some of them? Um, and then you can start kind of placing them on a calendar. So deciding your frequency, how often are you going to post? Where are you going to be posting? If it's a blog, are you going to be posting, you know, once a week, once a month, twice a month and figuring out your content cadence is another great step. Once you kind of have that list going and then determining, you know, who is going to write this content or produce this content. Is it someone in-house? Are you going to reach out to, um, an external writer or contractor and kind of figuring it out from there, but really just starting with a very simple brainstorm. I love that. So we brainstormed, we like kind of analyzed that created a frequency schedule, and then we're going to determine who's going to write it or produce it. And then after that, maybe it's us, maybe it's somebody else. What's the next step after that content is created? 
Sure. So this is the part that I really love and that I personally like to do myself for clients is really the editing and perfecting a piece before it goes live. So once a piece is written, um, you know, getting into that document, editing, maybe you go back and forth with the writer a few times to clarify things, to make sure the piece is in great condition. Then the next step is headlines. And, and here, I think we're specifically talking about creating like a blog post. So headlines are super important. And one of the things that I do is I actually write 10 to 15 different headlines for every single blog post that I publish or that I work with a client on. And the reason for that is just kind of, kind of going back to that brainstorm idea dump. Um, oftentimes your first idea won't be your best idea and kind of just getting in the exercise of like typing and writing down words and kind of moving things around to see what works best. So the headline process usually takes me like 30 to 45 minutes for a given blog post. It's really a big part of the process. And that's just for the headline that readers see. Then there's also an SEO headline. So we haven't even talked about SEO yet, but you know, that's a whole other component. So maybe before you're doing a blog post, you're doing some keyword research, you're figuring out where you might kind of fit into a gap in what's on Google currently. And so kind of working on different headlines that might, uh, you know, fit that SEO keyword in as well. So then once the piece is, you know, ready to publish, you're laying it out in your content management system, your CMS. Um, I personally love WordPress, but I have clients that work with custom CMSs as well. So you're laying it out, maybe you're adding visuals, whether it's infographics or just images um, to kind of, you know, add some color and life to the piece. And then you're working on getting it live. So you hit publish. And then from there, you know, there's the content marketing aspect of it. So kind of we went through content strategy, the content creation, and now we're into the content marketing, which is the distribution of the piece. So are you sharing it out on social media? Are you sharing it on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram? Maybe you're creating a TikTok to kind of drive people back to it. Um, are you sending it out to your email list? Uh, there's so many different places to, to share that content once it's created. And it doesn't have to all be in the same week that it's published. Maybe the strategy spans, you know, a couple of months and you can reshare it as well. So we kind of went through all the different steps of the process there. And then after that, you could probably, to add a 10th point, kind of counting as we go, you could <laughs> repurpose it in another way, in another place. Yes. And I absolutely love repurposing. I think it's one of the smartest things that a business can do. And what I mean by that is, for example, Muckrack puts on um, lots of webinars, I would say almost monthly. Um, and so what we do from there is we take that webinar content, we transcribe it, and then we write a blog post based on it. So you have the webinar, then you have the blog post, then you can share it on social. You can drive people from the blog post to the, to the webinar and the webinar to the blog post. And so it's just a really great way to kind of take content that you already have, that you've already invested money and time into and kind of keep it going. Okay. So in order, I have open a blank document and do a content brain dump. Okay. Yes. I like that. I like how number one is like a fun one. I feel like that's a fun one. And then number two, analyze all of this. I guess I'm going to add a, a second one because I feel like analyzing this to see what works is step number two. And then step number three would be place them on a calendar to determine your frequency of posting. Number four, do your keyword research. Mm -hmm. Number five, determine who's going to write or produce the content. And then you have to actually get it written and produced, like mm -hmm. actually do it, create it. Yep. That would be six, seven, edit and perfect the piece to go live. 
Number eight, create 10 to five headlines, like keeping the SEO in mind. You want these to just be attention grabbing, right? Like why 10, 10 to 15? Why so many? I, I just think that sometimes it takes a while to figure out what you are actually trying to say. So like, for example, like I'm going to pull up a blog post that I've done here. Let's see. Ooh. So I have a blog post where the keyword is what is a managing editor? Okay. That's kind of what I was. I want people to search like what is a managing editor? And I want my blog post to be the first thing that they see. But that's not the the headline that I went with. So the headline that I went with is why every business with or without a content strategy needs a managing editor. Oh, I like that one better. So as you can see, it's just a lot more creative. Um, And I can link, we can link to this in the show notes, but I mean, it has the or without is in parentheses. So it's like a little more interesting to look at. And it took me kind of a while to get to that though. But I started out by typing, you know, what is a managing editor or five things a managing editor does. Why does your business need a managing editor? And from there, the juices start flowing and then you start getting a little more creative. And I also like to have the draft fully complete before I work on headlines, because oftentimes I might find like a a sentence within the blog post that is a little bit more creative or like you said, attention grabbing. And so I will go in and then kind of work a headline out of that too. So really the reason for 10 to 15, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's too much, um, maybe five to seven would do just as well. Uh, but for me, I like to just keep going until I feel like I've kind of hit the most creative, um, and eye-catching option. And I actually learned this, um, tactic from Alexis Grant, who is the founder of the right life. And now she is working on a business called they got acquired. And I have just learned so much from her about headlines and she's really a genius when it comes to them. Okay. I will link to that in the show notes too. Um, so after that, we have our headlines. We found the most amazing one. We're going to put it wherever you put it, WordPress, your podcast, your YouTube, wherever it is, push it live market the content and distribute it and don't do it just that day. Like do it over time. This is all very similar to like PR and earning exposure and then repurpose it in another way. Like don't let all of that go to waste, turn your blog post into a YouTube video. Now this is very time consuming. It definitely is. is why a lot of people don't do it because it does take a lot of time. So what is the best way people can execute this stuff on a regular basis without being like, oh, this is like so much work for me, not to like answer the question on my behalf before I get to you. But for me, I'm like, this is marketing. Like instead of um, doing outbound calls and sales, you do this and it brings people to you. And then it's easier to close those sales when they get to you. Like this is your, this could be your whole marketing strategy. 100%. And that's kind of what I believe too. I, and also here's the thing, like you don't need to do this every single day. You don't need a hundred blog posts. Uh, for example, currently on my website, I aim to get a new blog post up only like once every one, every, you know, one, two months. So I'm not blogging every week anymore. I used to, I think, you know, blogging has changed a lot over the years. I used to blog three to five times a week. And I think kind of the days of like daily blogging are over. I wouldn't say that's the same for other mediums. I know with TikTok, for example, which I'm not on, I just love to to lurk and watch videos, but I know that (laughs) I've seen creators say that you have to be putting out like three to five videos a day to kind of get traction. And I just don't see that happening anymore with blog posts. So like I was saying, for example, 
I, I write a blog post and then I make that blog post work for me for the next couple months. And also as blog posts, um, get more like SEO juice behind them in Google, they can continue to perform well. I can continue to use them. And that's why a lot of my blog posts that you'll see are, are pretty evergreen. So like I said, there's the, what is a managing editor? I have one called five misconceptions about content. I have a blog post about, you know, why you should create case studies for your business. And these are all very evergreen. Um, they're not super timely. It's if someone stumbled upon them, you know, two years from now, the content could still be useful to them. And I like to just kind of work with the content that I have rather than constantly be creating because it can be overwhelming. And then if you're not kind of at that level where you're doing it kind of for yourself or your own business, if you work for a larger company like a muckrack or a solo PR pro, that's where hiring, you know, a contractor or having writers on hand can be super helpful to help you manage all that because it is a lot to do and it's, it's, it's hard to do it by yourself. Okay. You mentioned misconceptions about content. What are the biggest misconceptions? Okay. So I have a couple, I have my list here, but, um, one of the biggest ones is, and we kind of touched on this, but is that content creation is like a quick and easy process. Oh, yeah. I think a Clearly lot of times, it's not after we went, no, through we kind of went steps. through the, I know. And thank you for laying <laughs> that out. Like this is, again, I could, re- maybe I will repurpose this episode into a podcast. <laughs> It'd be so great. And then we could link back, but yes. Yeah, so content creation is not a quick and easy process. So we kind of went over that one. Another one is just that content is cheap. And I think, you know, as we've kind of also went over, it can be pricey, um, but it can be worth it because think about it. If you are, you know, spending $2,000 a month or whatever it is a month, um, to, to have great content. Um, maybe you're getting that back, you know, tenfold in, in potential leads and customers for whatever it is, your product, your service. So that's another misconception. And then another one, which we kind of just touched on was, um, about volume of content. So the more content, the better, definitely a misconception. And actually, even just as recently as like a year ago, I spoke with a perspective, client and asked him, you know, what's the frequency of content that you're putting out? And he said, I'm in the volume game, Mm. meaning like I post all the time. And I immediately was like, Ooh, red flag, like probably not the kind of client that I want to work with because I just don't believe that that's true. Yeah. Because when they do that, I feel like they just post a bunch of shit that nobody wants to see or read. Exactly. And then I kind of took a closer look at, at the product that the, the, the person was, um, you know, working on. And I, I saw that and yeah. I just said, you know, that's, that's definitely a misconception. And then, um, I'll just give you the last two quickly here. One, the other is that content alone can sell your product. It's a misconception. Content is great. Um, so, you know, just because you put out an awesome blog post, same with PR of one media hit might not lead to a sale, but it's kind of that repeated exposure of the message that leads to it. So, you know, one amazing blog post might not, um, turn someone into a customer or a client, but kind of that repeated exposure and the trust building and brand building can help do so. And then the last one is just the idea of build the content and they will come. And, um, like we said, content marketing is a whole piece of the puzzle on its own. So it does take a lot of time and you have to, you know, actually market your piece of content to get it in front of the eyes that you want to see it. Yes. I mean, I think build content and they will come worked wonders in like 1999. Mm-hmm. but not so much today. It's very yes. different today. Um, this has been amazing. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. I'm also going to link to how to write a case study, but I did want to ask you um, for my media mentoring program clients and um, my my clients who go into pitch publicity profit. I work with a lot of 
new entrepreneurs, they're small business owners, and they feel like when it comes to pitching the media, because you know, you write, you write for outlets, you're looking for sources, you want to include people. A lot of these people are like, oh, I'm not big enough. My business isn't big enough. I'm not making enough money. Like they make so many excuses on why they're not worthy of landing this media coverage. What do you say to people who speak like that? Ooh, probably the same message that you share with them, which is you are worthy and just get started where you are. I mean, you are, if you have a business or you are passionate about something, then you can write about it or you can speak about it. And just getting started um, now will definitely benefit you more in the future. So I think a lot of people are really nervous to create content because like you said, they might, one, they might not feel like they're ready to do so or in a position to do so. But if they're thinking about it, and they have ideas, they're, they're probably right there. And what about the people like who say, well, this isn't like my cup of tea. This isn't what I do. Like, this is the service I have. This is the product I have. I'm not a writer. I'm not a content creator. What do you suggest to those people? Cause many times, you know, there will be a media opportunity for them. And it's like, Hey, to, to get this media opportunity, you actually have to write, you have to write this content mm -hmm. and give it to the person and then they'll publish it. Well, I'm not a writer. That's not what I do. I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to do this. What do you say? outsource, <laughs> hire someone to do it. I mean, truly, I mean, if you, that, I think that's a great strength of someone to say like, this is not my expertise or I don't have the time for this. And so I am going to bring on someone who is passionate about it. I have um, one client who loves content, but she knows that she is too busy to create it herself. And so she brought me on and she said, just because I know how to do this, um, doesn't mean that I have the time to do it or that it's the best way for me to utilize my skills right now. And so, I mean, I, I guess I would just say to find someone who is passionate about it to kind of help. And you probably know so many people who do so many things. So like if anybody needs a writer, a video editor, a this, that, or the other, you probably yeah. have connections and you know, who's good. And, and cause that's, that's a hard part too. Cause everybody thinks they can do everything on the freaking internet. So like yes. a good referral is worth so much. Totally. And I've learned so much about hiring writers through my client work. And it, it is really hard to find a good writer. I mean, there's a ton of people out there online who want to be writers or are writers. And some of them aren't very good or some of them might not be a fit for a specific project. And so I've gotten down a pretty good process for kind of honing in on uh, the, the right writers for the specific project that I'm working on. I love that. I love what you do. I think it's so important. I think every single business needs a Jessica in their lives. And if they don't, then they just need to follow your steps and do it themselves until they can hire a Jessica in their lives for sure. Is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked before we say goodbye? Ooh, I really think you covered a lot of it, but I, um, I really just encourage anyone who is thinking about getting started with content to just give it a try. Just open that Google document, just make that, that content brainstorm document. And you'll see that there's so much out there that you probably could write about, could produce a video about, could create content about, and you just have to kind of sit down and give yourself 15 minutes to, to write it out. I do have one final question. Sure. Two. Okay. This is the easy, fun question. Okay. Have you seen the Instagram reel 
a lot of people are putting video over the audio where it's everything is content. Everything is content. Have you seen that yet? No, there's I'm not an, on that side of TikTok, I guess. There's an audio where it's like, everything is content. Everything is, and it's usually just like bloggers and influencers, like running around taking stuff. It's hilarious. It's amazing. It's I right up your that. alley because everything is. is content. Everything okay. Is content. Second question. Last question, just because it just struck me as I'm thinking of doing the, these things. What about just like auditing everything. Like, remember how we used to, like you said, we used to blog all the time, blogging for the sake of blogging, writing shit for the sake of it and posting it up there. Okay. I want that stuff to either go away or I want to make it better, but it's like, I feel like I have so much of it on the site. How do I audit this and clean up my website or clean up my social? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's honestly what I'm grappling with myself right now. And I am definitely not an SEO expert. I have, you know, basic understanding of SEO and kind of keyword research and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the bones of your website and SEO, that's not something I'm super familiar with. So I think the temptation is always there to kind of go and just like delete lots of posts, but I think there are some SEO ramifications for that. So I wouldn't do that without consulting someone. Um, but in terms of updating posts, updating posts is a really amazing way to kind of bring new life to them. So if you do have a blog post, that's a couple years old, that maybe has outdated statistics or that maybe your expertise has grown or changed, you can definitely go back into that blog post. You can add to it. You can take away from it. Maybe you, um, add more photos, you add meta descriptions. Maybe you've learned some things over the years that you can go in and really update it and make it better. Um, and so that's definitely a best practice and you can, you know, leave a little note saying when the blog post was updated so that people know that it's more current. Um, so that's definitely something that I've done with clients and that I've, you know, started doing for my own business. Um, but when it comes to just full on deleting, I think the temptation is there, but I haven't done that just yet. Yeah. So this is something going back and updating old blog posts, Brandon Gailey, who is the host of, um, the blog millionaire podcast and the founder of rank IQ, which is a software I use. I'll link to it in the show notes. I love rank IQ for SEO. Um, it's like, it just makes it so easy to find what keywords to rank for. They even help with headlines. Like these are the words that should be in your headline for SEO. He says, more than half of your time should be committed to updating those old blog posts based on, you know, like the new SEO practices and it's less work for you to do. So that's, that's an awesome recommendation for people to do if they want to make sure like, Hey, my business has changed a little bit. I mean, like, cause I don't know about you, but I look back at some of the shit that I wrote years mm -hmm. ago and I'm like, Oh my God, what was wrong with me? This is so embarrassing. Like I got to, totally. I got to take some time and update that stuff for sure. Totally. And think about it like this too, like muckrack has over 10 years of content on the internet. And it's all about PR, it's about media relations, about journalism. How many times can you write the same blog post about, about like how to pitch a journalist? So it's a great best practice to go back and, you know, update that for, you know, with 2022 stats and, and information, how things have shifted and changed over the years. So when you think about how much content you might have on your website or your business's website, it's, it's quite a lot and can definitely benefit from being updated. Yeah. That's why y'all need a Jessica. Another reason, like reason <laughs> 723, why you need a Jessica. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was amazing having you. You have given us all a long list of things to do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Head to the show notes, connect with Jessica on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Make sure you get my free content resources that I shared with you, 16 places to be a contributor and get on the waiting list for pitch publicity profit. That is the next three-day bootcamp I will be hosting very soon. And I want to see you there.